Well, good morning, and welcome to New Spring. I just want to say a word before I get into the message today, how much I appreciate our worship pastor, Lance Cummins, uh, Lance's dad. Let's... Lance's dad went home to be with the Lord during the night uh, after a long and, and courageous and faith-filled battle with pancreatic cancer. And, and for Lance to be up here leading us today is just a great, great act of faith, and I appreciate it. Lance's dad, uh, I, I, just, I was telling him at the beginning, telling Lance at the beginning of the service, I don't think I've ever seen anybody face death with so much courage. We were playing golf last uh, June, and if you, can, if you were in Wichita in those days, you know that we had a lot of rain back during that time of year. And so we were just trying to get in a round of golf and hope that we could get through before the rain stopped or started. But the thing that was so tough about that day was it, it just started storming. And we were on the back nine, and, you know, there had been some lightning kind of like flashing around in the distance, but all of a sudden it got very close. And it just started striking right around the green, and, and we realized we were holding um, <laughs> lightning rods. And Lance looked at me. We were on the green, and we are getting ready to putt. And Lance looked at me, and I looked at him because, I mean, bam, that, you know, lightning and thunder was just striking all around us. And, and so... Uh, he and I decided we would just head for the cart, and, and his dad was out putting, and, and, and Lance called out to him, Dad? And Ray said, Guys, I'm going to heaven, and I'm putting for birdie right now. And so, <laughs> isn't that great? I mean, isn't that the way to face, you know, the death and the tough things of life? And actually, that kind of sets me up for what I'm going to be talking about. We're starting a brand new series today called Running, Running. And, and running is, is a big word for me because all my life, I, I've, I just have loved running. And um, in fact, a family member of mine said, uh, Mark has two speeds, supersonic and off. And that's really true. I, even when I was a kid, my parents tell the story, and they actually have this on, on movie film, of me just running all the time, and they couldn't get me to stop. And so what they would do is they would just like drive out to the park and open the door and just let me out to run. And, uh, but I always found my way back home. Anyway, but, uh, you know, they just, they, that's, that's just how I was. We have pictures of me at White Sands, and, you know, it's 105 degrees, and I'm running up the dunes and running down the dunes. No place in particular. I just love to run. You know, I, I probably have more in common with Forrest Gump than that, but that's just one thing I've, I've always loved to run. And there have been good, uh, there have been good experiences that I look back on running. I remember playing football and, and just the feeling, the rush of running downfield to cover a kickoff, running with my teammates, running with my buddies in a, in a, common, in a common interest, a common cause. And then I can remember some really anguished experiences in running. And, and one of those I remember being lost and not knowing where I was or where I was going. There was nobody else around. And I did, all I needed to do was just run, just no particular direction. And what an anguished feeling that was to be running but not knowing where I was going. Well, we're going to start a series called Running. And the reason why I'm doing this is because I don't think we've ever moved as fast in life as we're having to move right now. I mean, things are just happening so fast and so much is demanded of us and we have to run here and run there. And, and at work, they're telling us, speed up, speed up, do more, produce more. Uh, you know, and, and in our relationships, it's, we're like feeling pressure sometimes to move faster. I don't think we've ever moved as fast as we're moving in our generation. But do you sense what I sense sometimes that we're not real clear on what our destination is? Because we ask ourselves, I mean, don't we, don't we get to the place sometimes in life where we ask ourselves, why am I running so hard? And where am I running? And what will be the outcome? We're going to do something. We're going to go back 2,500 years and we're going to look at a book. In fact, every once in a while, I like to do that. I like to just take a book of the Bible and walk us through a book. 
And the book that we're going to go through is a book called Jonah. It's in the Old Testament. And I think in many places in our worship center, there are some Bibles in in the backs of the pews. And if you want to follow along with me or just kind of scan along with me, I believe it's on page 701 in our Bibles and in our pew Bibles. And if if you're fleet of finger and you know how to find it, you can find Jonah, but it's pretty well nestled among a bunch of what we call minor prophets in the Old Testament. It doesn't mean they're unimportant. They just didn't write big books. And this particular book is only four chapters long. Each week of this series, we're going to look at one of the chapters. And each chapter tells the story of some running that Jonah did. Now, I know for some of you, you say, well, hey, man, Mark, I know Jonah. I've heard that story. That's about the dude that got swallowed by the well, right? That's kind of a freaky story, and I struggle with that, somebody might say. Well, first of all, we don't know if it was a whale or the Bible says great fish, and the Bible says God prepared him. And, and I don't know, I've read all kinds of studies about various fish and whales and what they're capable of doing and how that this whale's got four digestive chambers. And, you know, if he survived that first one, you know, it's possible he could have been spat out. And there's like a, you know, it's like this giant shark that's swall- big enough to swallow a human being, but it's got slow digestion and, and all that kind of stuff. Not, I'm not even going to go there. I mean, here's the deal. The Bible says Jonah got swallowed by a fish or a great, great fish of well. But here's the one thing that I think is really important for all of us to realize is that Jesus quoted from this book a whole lot. So if this was some sort of tale, if this was some sort of myth, boy, Jesus sure talked about it. In fact, here's the deal. When Jesus made the greatest prophecy ever made about himself, he quoted Jonah. Because he said, as Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days, he said, I'm going to have to be in the belly of the earth, speaking of his death and burial, for three days. And then he said, I'm going to rise again. So if this was a myth, boy, Jesus sure picked a weird, a weird thing to quote when he talked about his resurrection because he was actually talking about the truth of Jonah being in the fish, fish's belly, the whale's belly, when he said, I'm going to be in the earth for three days. But aside from all that, what we're going to do is we're going to look at these four chapters because Jonah is a runner. He is a guy who is always moving fast. At times... We're not going to like where he's running, and at times we're going to love it very much, but we're going to have four great weekends. And let me just tell you this. Here's, here's, the, here's the clincher for me. What we're going to see is the story of my life, and I think it's a story, in the life of mo- a story of the life of most Christ followers. Chapter 1, here we go. Number 1, running from God. Running from God. This is when we decide we're going to get away from God and go in another direction than God wants us to go. How many of us have been there? How many of us are there right now in which we are running from God? There's seven stages to running from God here in Jonah chapter 1. I always hate it when a minister has seven points, but we'll go through them real quick, okay? Number one, you can just look at this in in chapter 1 if you have your Bible open in verse 1. We meet Jonah for the first time. He's the son of Amittai. His dad's name means faithful. Jonah's name means dove. I think Jonah is a peacemaker. He is a guy who doesn't like conflict. And up till, you know, up till till verse 2, Jonah's life has been a charmed life. He is a minister. Today, in today's equivalent, we would say that Jonah is a pastor. And up till this point, his pastorate or his interrelationship with God followers has been very pleasant because in those days God would give these I mean the Bible wasn't complete God would give these guys things to say and they would give God's message oftentimes the prophets had to give messages that were unpopular but in Jonah's case he had had the privilege of giving out a very popular message he God had told him 
that Israel had lost some land and some cities, and that God was going to restore that land back to Israel. And so Jonah had gone out on point for God to say, hey guys, something good is going to happen to us. We're going to have a very, very good experience. And it happened. And so, of course, the people are very happy, and they're patting Jonah on the back. And after all, Jonah means dove. He likes that. He likes, Jonah likes preaching to the people who are already God followers. He likes telling them what they already know. He likes confirming what they already believe. And he's enjoying them patting him on the back. By the way, guys, you do need to understand that's not the kind of church we are. This is a church that takes chances. This is a church that is about people who haven't yet accepted Christ. Somebody can be here this morning and say, well, Mark, I don't even know if I believe the Bible. You're who we do church for. I mean, you said, Mark, I'm not sure I know what I believe. I'm filled with doubts. Hey, welcome to New Spring because that's what New Spring is all about. We don't put another layer of lacquer on the already convinced. And so, Jonah, that was his job. But he was just, you know, rocking along, cool, everything's fine. I love my job. I'm just telling people what they like to hear, and it's cool, and we're just, they're paying my salary, and everything's fine. But in verse 2, God comes along to Jonah. I have a hunch that Jonah was preaching to his church one day, and he was saying, oh, guys, we care about people. We are the church that cares about people. And God came along to Jonah and said, well, I'm really glad to hear you say that because I have a job for you to do. I want you to leave the already convinced, and I want you to go to Nineveh, and I want you to tell them that I'm angry at them, and I'm about to judge them, and if they don't get straightened out, I'm going to destroy their city. Now, let's just talk about that for a moment, because when I say, you know, God said go to Nineveh, it might not resonate with us as much as it should. Nineveh was the second most populated city in the, in the empire that ruled the world at that time, the Assyrian Empire. It is in modern-day Iraq. Some of you have been in Iraq, and, and I know that actually several of you have been in Mosul. It is up there by Mosul. And it was this huge metropolis city, and they were wealthy. They were right on a trade route. I mean, there was money, people making money hand over fist. It was wild. It was crazy. It was open. It was violent. It was a bad place to live, and they worshiped a fish god. <laughs> and just in case anybody should bring anything into the city of Nineveh that was politically incorrect, they had a big pile of skulls on the outside of town just to show anybody who might come in with any kind of idea that wasn't popular what would happen to them. And the Ninevites... The Ninevites were pros at figuring out new ways to torture people. I mean, some of the stuff that I've read just makes me sick at my stomach to read what they did to people who came into their town and performed or did something in a way that the Ninevites didn't like. So God is saying to Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh and preach. What was tough about this for Jonah was these people had done some really terrible things to Jonah's people. And Jonah knew the prophecies of the Bible that they were scheduled to do some other things that were bad to God's people. So God said to Jonah, I want you to go preach and tell them, you know, because here's the deal. If they don't turn around, I'm going to destroy them. And Jonah said, and that would be a bad thing. Now, here's the thing. Here's where running from God starts. And and let me just tell you this, guys. This is the reason why I'm preaching with so much emotion this morning. So many of us at New Spring have just had a wonderful experience with God lately. You write me about it. You tell me about it. You say, Mark, 
No, four weeks ago I came here. Six weeks ago I came here. A year ago I came here. And man, it's just been awesome. And I'm getting so close to God and I'm reading my Bible and I'm just feeling God's presence and I'm telling people about Jesus. And I just cannot believe I, I'm not the person that I used to be. I just can't believe my friends are saying, hey, how can you be the same person? And people are saying, I want what you've got. And you guys are telling me about that. And, but let, let me just tell you something. It, the hardest thing about following God is not starting to follow God. The hardest thing about following God is staying in there. Because even though it's very easy to get close to God, there is always going to, listen please, if, if, you ever, if you ever listen to a minister, there's always a moment in your experience following God when things are going to get very difficult. Maybe you pray for something and God doesn't answer your prayer in a timely fashion as far as you're concerned. Maybe you just get bored. I mean, at one point it was great to go in and worship and you just felt the presence of God when you worship with Lance and the team. But I mean, it's like weekend after weekend after weekend and after a while it's like your mind starts to wander a little bit. Or it could be that, you know, you've been like seeking that great relationship and this person comes into your life and they don't share your passion, they don't share your faith, they don't care about the things that you care about. They're leading you in ways that you know are destructive, and you're saying to yourself, but man, I don't want to lose her. I don't want to lose him. It could be dozens of things that, that happen in our lives to all of a sudden make doing what God wants us to do a difficult and unpleasant thing to do at least for a while. God said to Jonah, that's what I want you to do. I want you to go to Nineveh, and I want you to tell them I'm upset with them, and if they don't straighten out, I'm going to destroy them. Now, here's where running from God starts. It's in verse 3. Notice the first word of that verse. It is, but. God said, Jonah, i got a job for you to do. But, but. The Bible says Jonah went or tried to go away from the presence of God. Now, the word went there in the Hebrew means to bolt. Now, every time I'm riding and I use the term bolt, I always use it like a, a deer that's been spooked. Some of you hunters are just people who've been out, you know, in the, in the wild. You know what it's like when you spook a deer and, and all of a sudden that deer, it's just like every muscle in that deer's body reverses courses, course and runs in the other direction. That's what happened. God said to Jonah, hey, I want you to go to Nineveh. Tell those people I'm upset if they don't straighten out. I'm going to destroy them. And the Bible says Jonah bolted not to do what God wanted him to do. But here's what he did. Notice the word. He ran in the opposite direction. The opposite direction. Now, up till now, I've been talking to you about running from God. And as of right now, it's a metaphor, isn't it? An expression, running from God. That's a metaphor. What is running from God? Think for a moment about the things that you have done to get close to God. Your faith growing, reading the Bible, worshiping, going to church, serving, giving, loving, thinking about God. Running from God is just doing the opposite. It is going in the opposite direction. It is getting out of church. It's stopping reading your Bible. It's not talking to people about God. It's doing things that take you further from God. That's what running from God is. Now, in this case, God wanted to jo- Jonah to go to uh, Nineveh, which is in modern-day Iraq. Jonah went down to the um, place where people got on ships and he bought a ticket. He, he found a boat going to Spain, which is 2,500 miles in the opposite direction, which was the end of the earth. And he bought a ticket, and, and he was standing in line to get on this boat going to Spain. Now, I don't know why in the world was he going to Spain. I mean, was he thinking, I used to be a pastor, but now I'm going to learn to be a bullfighter. I don't know what was on his mind. 
But I, I, here's the deal. I know what he, he wanted to get as far away from God as he possibly could so that he wouldn't have to think about God's instructions. He wouldn't have to think about the Ninevites. He was going to go to Spain and get in the witness protection program, and he was just going to go back and live in anonymity. That was the idea. Now, I want to stop for a moment because I've run away from God from time to time, and some of you have, and you've come back to God. Isn't it, isn't it crazy the way we think when we're trying to get away from God? This is going to work. I'm going to buy a ticket. I found a boat going to Spain. I'm, I'm going to get away from God, and, and I'm going to find some way to just live my life in peace in disobedience to God. Let me just say to all of us here today, we're in trouble the first time we tell God no. At the very first moment. I, I hear people every once in a while say to me, Mark, I really want to follow God, but man, I can't do this. I, I really do want to follow God, but I can't end this relationship. Mark, I, I really do want to, I want to be a God follower, but, 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 we're already in trouble. See, we've already started our journey away from God the moment God says for us to do something, and we say, but. That's where it started. Step two, rationalization. I'm running from God, but it's going to be okay for me. Maybe it didn't work for other people, but it's going to be okay for me. I see Jonah. He's, staring, you know, he's got his ticket. He's getting ready to board the ship, going to Spain. And maybe people who love Jonah, who follow God, they come to Jonah and say, Jonah, what's this we hear, man? We hear that, you know, after all, you've been our pastor and you've been following God. And we hear something about you like, you know, buying a ticket and, and, and getting on a boat, going to Spain. And we heard God wants you to go to Nineveh. What's that all about, dude? And I'm hearing Jonah talk because I've heard this speech so many times. Jonah said, well, guys, let me just tell you, I prayed about this. And I have the peace of God about this. Let me just tell you, you won't believe the things that have happened. I, I, I didn't think it was possible, but I found a boat going to Spain. Surely that's a sign that God wants me to go to Spain. Like the story I've told you about the guy who drove over to Krispy Kreme. Light was on. He could already just taste that, those donuts that melt in your mouth he was on a diet he knew he shouldn't have one but he just said i'm going to pray about this (laughs) and he said oh god you know how hyper spiritual people pray oh god if it's your will for me to have a Krispy Kreme donut let there be a parking space open and sure enough on the 12th time around there was a parking space open Jonah's saying, guys, it's okay. I know this is a sign from God. I found a boat going to Spain. There were always boats going to Spain. And and Jonah said, you won't believe this, but I was able to buy a ticket. See, I have a ticket in my hand. This is going to be fine, guys. Trust me, it's going to be fine. I know this this person is not a believer that I'm hooked up with, and yeah, I'm sleeping with her, and, 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 and I know that this is probably not right, but it's right for me, and I prayed about it. Hmm. Jonah said, no, God, I'm not going to do what you want me to do, and, but I, it's okay. I'm rationalizing about it. And if you read later on in this chapter, you know, go to the second part of the chapter when later a storm comes up and the, the guys have to wake him up. He's asleep. Man, can you see this? He's just being rocked out there. Because at first, at first, everything is going okay. Or it seems like it's going okay. I'm going to tell you one of the most important things you're ever going to hear from the mouth of a minister. So many times I've seen God's children run away from God. And there was a period of time 
where everything seemed to work out. You know, when we start running away from God, don't we start listening for those lightning bolts? Ooh, man, I'm running away from God. I'm disobedient. Boom, the lightning's going to strike me, but it seems to work out for a while. And we're telling everybody, hey, it's okay. I'm fine. God's okay with me doing what I'm doing. I mean, that's where Jonah was. He was rocking gently in the bottom of that boat. Let me tell you, the Bible tells us in Revelation what that means when we run away from God and things go okay for a while. God talks about a woman he was dealing with who was running away from God, and here's what God said. I gave her space to repent. Scripture says God is long-suffering. He loves us. He doesn't want to bring any storms into our lives. So often, even when we're running from God for a while, he'll let things rock on in the hope that his goodness will bring us back to him. But Jonah's not picking up on it. He's rationalizing. He's saying, hey, I'm going to be fine. This is not a problem. I I found a boat. It must be God's will. I bought a ticket, and I'm sleeping down here in the bottom of the boat, and I'm heading for Spain. Number three, the Bible says this in verse 4 that God threw a wind on the Mediterranean. And that wind that God hurled, that's the exact Hebrew word, the wind that God hurled started a vicious storm. Now, he is on the boat with mariners, and they're accustomed accustomed to storms, but they haven't seen a storm like this. Let me just tell you, when you and I run away from God, like I said to you last week, nobody flips God off and wins. When we run away from God, you can be sure... A storm is headed our way. Now, it may not be a physical storm. It just may be some negative circumstances that happen in our lives. But this storm, I mean, it was so bad that these sailors in verse 5 were fearing for their lives. And they begin to cry out to their gods. And they go down and they find Jonah and they ask him, How can you sleep at a time like this? Because we're in trouble. And that leads me to number four. Here's the fourth thing that happens when we run away from God. And I want every dad and every mom to listen to me with everything you've got for the next few minutes. You and I cannot run from God without leading other people into our storm. So many people have told me through the years, Mark, it doesn't hurt anybody but me. I know I'm running from God. I know I'm telling God no. I know I'm doing stuff that's wrong. But it doesn't hurt anybody but me. Look at what happened to Jonah. Jonah thought, man, I'm running away from God and I'm fine. Nothing's going to happen to me. It's just me. But it wasn't just him. It was a whole ship full of, of, of sailors who were in Jonah's storm. Jonah led them into his storm. I preach with passion today because I've seen so many kids led into storms by their parents. Dad got away from God and started running from God. And he got his wife into the storm and brought his kids into the storms. Mom just started saying but to God and no to God. And the next thing you know, her kids are following her into the storm. Every Christ follower here this morning, you have people who are looking at you. And the odd thing is you'd be surprised. Listen to me, please. You'd be surprised if you knew who was looking at you. You know that guy at work that makes fun of you for being a Christian or going to church and reading your Bible, calls you a jerk and a fool? Nine times out of ten, he desperately wants you to believe what you believe. Because all that bravado is just whistling through the graveyard. All that stuff that people at school, you know, they, they, they tell you, I can't believe you believe that stuff. I can't believe you live the way you live. I don't, I don't understand why you have all these kinds of spiritual disciplines in your life. I mean, those people are so hoping that it's real with you. Because even though they may make fun of you, there's something within that's saying, I want somebody to be real. 
You know what happens when we start running away from God? Man, those people, they go right with us. This didn't happen to me, but it could have. I, as a pastor, I've, you know, I've, I've conducted hundreds and hundreds of funerals. And in a procession that goes from the church or the funeral home to the cemetery, usually they'll put the pastor's car either in front of the hearse or right behind the hearse because I have to be there when they take the casket out and walk to the, to the grave, and, and also I'm conducting the service. And so usually when I get to a place where a funeral is going to be held, funeral director will say, well, Mark, where's your car? Because I want you to come in right behind the coach. And oftentimes, funeral processions are 20, 30, 40 minutes long. Even, I've had longer ones even than that. And you're driving very slow. You're driving 20 miles an hour. You don't have to think about stop signs. You don't have to think about lights. You don't have to think about anything. Just to follow the hearse. And it can get kind of monotonous, just keeping it real here. And your mind can wonder. And a friend of mine was a pastor, and he was in a long funeral procession. He was right behind the coach. And he's just driving along, you know, 20 miles an hour, and his mind is going here and there. And as they're, as they're driving through a, a, a section where there are a lot of business, he, he looks up, and there's a Walmart. And he's remembering that his wife has wanted him to pick something up from Walmart. <laughs> and so without thinking, he just whips into the parking <laughs> the parking lot and starts looking for a parking place only to look in his rear mirror and see a line of limousines and cars with their lights on in the Walmart parking lot and when we run away from God there are people who follow us they wind up in our storm I mean, Jonah thought he was all by himself. I'm just running from the Lord. God wants me to go to Nineveh. I don't want to go to Nineveh. I'm a dove. I'm a peacemaker. I don't like conflict. So I'm going to go as far away as I can get, and nothing's going to be wrong. But if there is wrong, then it's just going to happen to me. But now he's got a whole ship full of guys that are in his storm. Let me go to the next one. And that is this, that when we run from God, we have an identity crisis. Look at this. I mean, the crew's trying to figure out why in the world they're in this kind of storm. They're all superstitious. They, they have their gods that they worship, and so they're trying to figure out who did something wrong to get us into this storm. And they, 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 in those days, they did. They, they rolled the dice and kind of saw if anybody was indicated by the way the dice came out. And, and I think God had a big hand in the way the dice fell because they quickly said, it's got to be that dude down there who's asleep in the boat. And they asked Jonah. And then it just, I love these questions. They, they asked him in verse 8, why has this awful storm come down on us? They demanded, who are you? What is your line of work? What country are you from? What is your nationality? In other words, they were saying, who are you? Please think about this for a moment. Every time I have run away from God and my life has been out of God's will, I have suffered an identity crisis. Like, who am I? What am I doing here? I'm a Christ follower, but look at where I am. I I believe God, but my, my life doesn't match what I say I believe, and now I don't know who I am anymore. And here's Jonah, because he's, he's really, who is he? I mean, if you look at his answer, he says, and finally, he said, I'm a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord God of heaven who made the sea and the land. I mean, I don't think Jonah's really giving them a mini invite card to a new series at his church at this moment. He's just like having to stumble out like you give name, rank, and serial number. I'm a God follower. I'm in a covenant relationship with God. My God is the one who made the earth and the sea. 
And yeah, I'm not where I'm supposed to be. Here's the deal. When you and I run away from God, we have an identity crisis. Because where we are doesn't match who we are. What we're doing doesn't match what God is saying. And we're caught in the middle in an identity crisis. I'm talking to some of you right now, and you've had, you've been running to God, which we're going to talk about next week, and you're getting so close to God, and you're feeling God's presence, and you're reading God's Word, and you're worshiping. You're in your car driving, and you're like thinking about God, and God is so real in your life. I mean, you don't have any question about who you are. You know that you're a sinner. You know that you fail God more times than you've ever gotten anything right, but you know who you are. I mean, if somebody asked you who you are, you would say, I am a Christ follower. I am somebody who has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And no, I'm not perfect, but I know who I am. But when I run from God, I'm like Jonah. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm a Christian. Yeah, I, I got a new spring. Sorry, my life doesn't match up what I claim to believe right now. An identity crisis. Well, number five, number, number six, excuse me. What happens when you get to the place where you didn't do what God wants you to do and what you want to do didn't work? What's your option at that moment? Because that's where Jonah is. I mean, the sailors say to Jonah, what do, we, what do we need to do with you? I mean, we don't know what to do. You're the one who's in trouble. You're a God follower. And, and Jonah had admitted, I mean, if you look at chapter one, Jonah had said, it's my fault. It's my fault. I take responsibility for this storm. And the sailors are saying, okay, we get it. You're a God follower. You're in a covenant relationship with God. You shouldn't have done what you did. In fact, they groaned, oh, why did you do what you did? And now they're saying to Jonah, well, what do we do with you? And Jonah is saying, here's the deal. How many of us get to the place where we didn't do what God wants to do, what we want to do didn't work? There's nothing to do at that moment as long as we're thinking up things on our own except give up. Jonah said, throw me in the water. Just throw me away. I didn't do what God wanted me to do. My plan didn't work. I don't know who I am anymore. I don't think that God wants anything to do with me anymore. Just throw me in the water. Man, I have seen Christ followers get there. Man, Mark, it's too late. I tried to do it I mean, my way, and I wasn't obedient. And I guess my life's just over, and I guess I'll just mark time till I die. Jonah's saying, I give up. I give up. Throw me in the water. And they didn't want to do it. I mean, they they tried to get the ship to land, but they couldn't. Finally, I mean, they just, they finally said, God, please don't hold us accountable for what we have to do now. And so they grab Jonah, and I can see it in my mind. You know, they grab him, and, and they get, you know, one of them gets his hands, and the other one gets his feet, and they're just like swinging him back and forth and back and forth. And finally, they throw him out of the boat. Number seven. Man, I hope God has this on video because I want to watch this when I get to heaven. Can you, <laughs> I, I've been working on this series about a year, and here's the one thought that I keep thinking about. I, I'm thinking about what, what's Jonah thinking when he's flying outside the boat? <laughs> Airborne. Wouldn't you like to get in his head at that moment? That'd be really funny, wouldn't it? I mean, you think about this. I'm giving up. My plan didn't work. I didn't listen to God. I don't know who I am anymore. I'm just telling these guys to get rid of me so that they don't die. Here's Jonah flying through the air, and he's thinking, you know what's going to happen to me? I'm going to hit the water. I'm going to go under the waves. My lungs are going to fill up with water, and that's going to be the end of Jonah. 
How many of us have run from God only to give up and think it's all over and to be surprised by God's goodness? Now, it wasn't fun goodness, but it was goodness. Because here's Jonah, he's like, wham. At this point now, he has impacted the water. And he's beginning to go under, and he's thinking, have you ever thought to yourself, what else can go wrong? I mean, this is the end. And the next thing he knows, wham! You know, I mean, a, a fish set, I mean, the fish got Jonah. And now he's thinking to himself, what's going on here? I want to close with this today. When you and I run away from God and we have storms in our lives, bad things happen. How we process that will make all, A-double-L, the difference. When you get in a storm of your own making because you ran from God, you can look at it two ways. You can look at it the first way and say, God is punishing me because I did wrong. I, I, I told God no, and he's punishing me. He's getting even with me. He sent a storm. He sent a well, and God is punishing me. If you look at that situation that way, it will take you away from God, and you'll, you'll try to keep running from God. Do you know why the storm came up, guys? Do you know why the fish or the whale or whatever it was came and engulfed Jonah? If you read, as we will, the rest of the book, here's what you will understand. And for all of us who've ever run from God and had negative circumstances, here's what we need to look at it as. It was God saying to Jonah, I love you too much to let you go. I love you too much to let you go. I still have plans for you. I still have a life for you. I have a calling in your life, and I haven't changed my mind. The Bible says God doesn't change his mind about the callings or the lives that he has for us. And God was saying to Jonah, I love you too much to let you go. I could be talking to somebody here today, and you say, Mark, I am running from God, and my life is in a toilet. Do you know why? It's because God loves you too much to let you go. You say, Mark, I've made some bad decisions and bad choices, and I told God no, and I said I wouldn't do it. What do you want me to do? But the winds are blowing the storms. That is God saying, I love you too much to let you go. I am now going to borrow from next week's sermon, okay? So when you come next week, act like you've, already, like you've never heard this before. <laughs> if chapter 1 is running away from God, chapter 2 is going to be running to God. You know what we're going to see next week? We're going to see that running to God is never as hard as we think it is. Here's why. See, many of us, we, we've running, we're running from God. We're in a storm, and we're, we're, we're about to give up, and we say, but I, I don't think I can turn around because it's been so hard to run away from God. It's going to be so much harder to run to God because see, here's the deal. We often measure the difficulty of running to God by the difficulty of running away from God. What every human being who's ever tried to run to God has discovered is that it's so much easier to run to him. My prayer for you today is whether you're at stage one, you're saying but, or stage two, where you're saying it's never, I'm, I'm rationalizing, it's bad, but it's going to be okay for me, or stage three of getting in a storm, stage four, taking people with you. I mean, whatever stage you're at today, turn back and run to God, and he will be there. Let's pray. 
Father, thank you for the privilege of bringing this first message in this series. Thank you for sharing with us this story. And I pray that wherever we are today, you know God. You, you know better than anyone. That you'll confirm in our hearts and our minds the truth of the foolishness of running away from you and the wisdom of running to you. Help us, Lord, with those difficult things in our lives, the difficult choices where we're in, inclined to bolt and get away from you. Help us to, to realize that you care so much for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Still praying with me, please. A few moments ago, I said, you know, Jonah had lost sight of who he was. He was in an identity crisis. And, and, and the reason why I said that, the Bible tells us this, that what God wants from us more than anything else is for us to be in a love, eternal relationship with him. In, in a relationship where God has forgiven our sins, where God has washed our sins away, where God promises, he's, promises us eternal life. That's what Jesus called the new birth. And I think you can get from Jesus' expression, we're not talking about changing a way of life. We're talking about something. I mean, you had very little to do with your birth. And the new birth is the same way. It's something God does for you. And here's what the Bible says. This is the reason. If you see, this, if you see the cross, this is why the cross is so prominent in Christian thinking. It, it was on the cross where Jesus died in our place for our sins so that we might have the gift of an eternal relationship with God. The Bible makes it this clear. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The Bible says if you believe in your inner person and you confess with your mouth that God raised Jesus from the dead, the Bible says you have God's promise that you'll be transformed. And that's a very simple thing, but it's the most important thing you could ever do in your life. And you're here today, perhaps, and you can say, Mark, I know I've done things that are wrong. I'm just going to try to do better. But you know what? I don't think any of us can be perfect. And that's what God would require. Thankfully, Jesus was perfect in our place. And if you receive him, the awesome thing is you get his record. If you've never prayed to receive Christ, I'm going to pray a prayer. And if you really mean it in your heart, you can repeat this after me and, and aim it toward God. I mean, you can take the words that I'm praying, but aim this toward God. And, and if you mean this from your heart, God will listen. Let's pray. Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. But I believe you died in my place. I believe your death paid for my sins. I believe you arose from the grave, just like the Bible says. And today, I receive you as my Savior and my King. Thank you for keeping your word to me and saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. As I do every weekend, I just want to say to anybody who prayed that prayer with me, I have a gift packet for you. It will not cost you anything. It's just some vinyl packet with some DVDs and information about how to follow Christ and what it's all about. It's my gift to you. Part of your worship folder is detachable, so if you'll just take the part that's detachable, tear it loose, check the box that says, I prayed to receive Christ today. If you put your name and address, if you'd like for me to mail this to you, if you'll put your name and address, I'll mail this to you this week. If you don't want to wait, you don't have to. I'm pointing right through the middle doors, right beyond those doors are two zones called New Springs Store and Guest Services. If you'll bring the card back and say, hey, I prayed with Mark, that's all you have to say. I prayed with Mark today. They'll give you this, and you can take it home with you. And, and we're just glad you're here. Look forward to next week. I can't wait to bring next week's message because one of the most powerful times in our lives is when we're running to God. It is such an awesome experience. So next weekend, we'll be talking about that.